Welcome to Monday Matters with Holly Cochran. Holly is a wife, mom, coach, and entrepreneur. She wears these and many more hats while running three successful businesses, a gym, online counseling and nutrition program, and commercial cleaning company. She brings a unique perspective to everyday life with her spicy, no-nonsense attitude. Holly helps her clients keep it simple with small tweaks that over time add up to big life changes. With that, let's get on with today's episode. Here's my friend, Holly Cochran, an incredible human you need to be listening to every Monday. Hello, family, friends, and strangers. It's the Monday Matters Podcast, and I am your host, Holly Cochran. Today, we are going, or I am going to talk about communication strategies, relationship communication rules. I don't know what we want to call it, but there are certain things that I have learned, both in school and by trial and error, that I feel are beneficial and have been helpful in developing stronger communication strategies with the people in my life. That being said, I'm far from perfect. And each one of the things that I'm going to talk about today, I um, need to continue to always be improving on. Healthy relationships need communication as a foundation. And we talked a bit about the benefits of healthy relationships earlier in this podcast on episode 13. And I just think that sometimes we say, I need a better relationship with my person, my spouse, my friends, my parents. I need a better relationship with somebody or people. But how to get that better relationship is not rocket. It's not something you're born knowing. It is something that you have to learn and have to develop. And communication styles and strategies is one of the things that you can work on, get better at, learn. So let's talk about a few strategies in no particular order. I am just going to be throwing them out there, things that I have been thinking about um, as far as ways to improve the way that you communicate with people. And when I'm saying people, you can think maybe your spouse, but it could also be with a coworker or with one of your kids. Communicating with humans in general is what I'm referring to. Okay, number one, in no particular order. Remember when you're speaking to people that you're not speaking to yourself, you're speaking to them. And if you know them well, you will know how they like to be spoken to. What are the trigger words that they have? If you've ever paid attention, which words really set them off? And if you're trying to get better at communicating with these people, don't use those words. Even when you're upset with them, throwing out the triggers, throwing out the words that you know are going to make the situation fired up is not effective communication. It's kind of dirty. You might not know you're doing it, but once you start to recognize that there is a way that I can get my feelings um, expressed without fanning a fire that's already existing, might actually put that fire out. So when you're speaking to somebody, whether it's in a heat of the moment or something like that, if you know them well enough to know what's going to set them off and fire them up, practice communicating yourself in a way that doesn't fan that fire. 
I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> I'm not 100% awesome at doing this, but I work at it. I promise you. Number two, be willing to hear what you don't believe to be true. You know, those things you don't like to hear about yourself or you're working on and wish weren't in existence, or you just truly don't even believe. When you're communicating effectively, listening is 80% of that, being able to listen and to hear. But that doesn't mean just hearing the things you want to hear and tuning out the rest. It means being willing to hear the things that you do not believe to be true and then responding after you have heard and listened. Okay. So for example, if, if there's something that I don't want to be brought to my attention about myself, like maybe I'm a little aggressive. I haven't thought this through all the way. I mean, I know those things, but don't point them out to me. If I shut down the minute that's being said, and I don't just take a pause and be willing to hear the things that I don't like hearing or that I don't even think are that true, I sometimes don't think I'm being aggressive. Sometimes I think the other people are just being too slow. <laughs> but if I shut that kind of communication down because I don't agree with it, we're not moving forward. We're not getting anywhere. I need to be willing to listen to the things that I do not believe to be true for more effective communication. Okay. Number three, listen longer. Be quiet and reflective and listening longer. I am terrible at this. I am always formulating my retraction, my response, my, you know, my rebuke. I am formulating it instead of listening. And I work at doing that. I really need to just listen longer. And often when my partner and I are having a discussion and we are communicating and he is really good at listening longer, I usually get just a little bit even more annoyed than I already was when we started communicating because I'm waiting for the, the rebuttal. I'm waiting for the response. It doesn't even have to be an angry response or I'm, I'm just waiting for something. Listen longer. I'm going to work at practicing to do that because maybe I would hear more if I was listening more. I think there's a definite correlation between the two. And if I could hear better what's being communicated, there might be less conflict. So number three in effective communicating is to just listen longer. Don't try to retaliate or, or respond too quickly. You might even want to respond differently if you took a pause and listened longer. One of the big ones that we learned way back when in social work school, when I was doing communication studies was the words always and the word never are trigger words that usually will create some kind of defense mechanism. You always forget to take out the garbage. You never, you know, you never text me when you're going to be late. So the one time they took the garbage out or the one time they texted you if they were going to be late, 
is completely negated and now they feel like they don't matter. Why bother even trying? Because even if they tried, you didn't remember it. It sends the defense mechanisms into skyrocket mode. When you are communicating with people, try to avoid completely using the words always and never. So I'm going to say the sentence, never use the words always and never. Even though I'm not supposed to be saying that word in this situation, it's good advice. Nobody always does something. There's probably been a time once or twice. And when we start, we've, I've podcasted about perspective and looking for the things that you want to see, all that kind of stuff. But truly, when you are having a conversation with your partner or with your coworker, and you are wanting to identify things that you are, you know, wishing they would do more or less or whatever, acknowledging the times that they do it, if that's what you want to create more of, instead of negating that with the word always or never, will get you further down the communication train than getting everybody to have their defense mechanisms up and shutting right down. So always and never don't use them. Another great piece of advice as far as communication skills go. I, I got, I knew this, I knew this from my degree and then I was not utilizing it in my marriage. And so it was reiterated when I went in to my own kind of counseling that there are no mind readers in the room. You are not a mind reader and your spouse is not a mind reader and your coworkers aren't mind readers and your parents aren't mind readers and your friends or your kids, they are not mind readers, okay? If you don't say the words that you want people to hear, then do not expect results or reactions. I think we've all done this. They should just know by now. No, no. Not necessarily. I mean, maybe they should, but if they don't, you have to own the silence. I think that was a big line that I took away from counseling. I have to own the silence that if I'm not telling people what it is I'm needing, wanting, appreciating, not appreciating, if I'm not saying those things, I got to own the silence. There are no mind readers in the room. Does it mean I need to constantly be nagging and bitching at people? No, I'm also working on that. But does it mean that I can positively reinforce every little thing that I see? Uh-huh, certainly it does. Does it mean that if I do actually need people to do things, I communicate it well and don't make an assumption? Yep, definitely. So just remember, when you are trying to get annoyed or get upset because they should just know by now that I'm telling you maybe they should, but they might not. There are no mind readers in the room and own the silence. If you haven't said it, no one needs, no one knows it. Okay. Um, another one that I wrote down on my little piece of paper for communication that I felt has really been helpful are things like timing, if you need to have that conversation, you know, the one that is like a bigger deal while you're packing up your lunches in the morning and heading off to work, that's not 
good timing. Don't start that conversation then. It's not going to go as well as it could, okay? Maybe you need to schedule a drive with your person. Maybe you need to go outside for a walk. Maybe you need to just hold off having the conversation for three days because it's going to take days for you to actually get to some place where you guys have the right timing to have that real conversation. But waiting three days to have a decent conversation is better than starting one that ends up just fanning a fire and you have three days of little snippets of an argument. That doesn't necessarily improve communication. So timing is really important. Be mindful of it. When are your good times for conversation and when are theirs? And if they don't match, how do you find that common ground? Okay. Timing, the style of communication. When I say style, like not every conversation has to be done face to face all the time. And I know people will disagree with me and I'll know that body language is incredibly important and Tone can be lost in the written word. I get that. But when it comes to the listen longer portion, if you are able to say some things, like back in the day, people would write love letters communicating to each other and mail them all the time. Long distance phone charges were really expensive. And that was seemingly the most romantic thing that you could ever do is send these love letters in the mail, or maybe not a love letter, just a letter in the mail. All of a sudden you start texting people and like, I can't believe they even said that in text. Or if he really meant it, he'd say it, not just text it. And I'm like, you know, if it was 50 years ago, you'd be like all googly over the fact that they sent this letter saying these words. But now because he's not saying them, he's texting them. All of a sudden this is like a negative. There might be people who just communicate with the written word better or receive the written word better because they don't hear the tone. They can just get the meaning of the words. So I'm not saying you should go and, you know, break up over text. I still think there's some classiness for your behavior that you could be instilling, but I don't want you to think that everything has to be hashed out in these long, lengthy conversations all the time that may not be the right style for you or for your spouse. And if he isn't saying, gazing you in the eyes and saying all these mushy things that are on Hallmark cards, if he's not saying those things to you, but he is communicating them in other ways, that might be his style. Don't negate that style expecting something else, you could express what you want. If you said to him, you know what you wrote me in that text when you were flirting with me? I wish you would say that sometimes. If you tell him that's what you want, that would be a really good communication strategy. But sometimes the style of communication is not, is, um, important for you to recognize. They may be communicating with you and you are missing it because it's not the same style as yours. I don't know if you guys have ever heard me talk about Corey's Bitmoji, but he has a really cute Bitmoji that he changes in clothes and stuff all the time. And that Bitmoji flirts with me all the time. I know it's a style of communication. I am never going to negate it. That little dude can come across my phone all day long. 
So the style, the timing is important. The length of the conversation. Okay. Some people, especially people who have suffered any kind of ongoing trauma or lived in turbulent situations in the past, they may only be able to physically be engaged in conversation with any kind of heightened emotion for a shorter period of time. Those time lengths might be different. Okay. So you may not think this conversation is over and you may want to keep hashing it out, but the other person is done, whether they're able to tell you they're done or they're just physically and emotionally shutting down. If they're done, truly the conversation needs to end and be done. The length that people can be in these kinds of communications might not be the same in the relationship. Honoring that might make it better communication. Being able to say, recognize, okay, I've said my piece, they're done, we're going to revisit this. And being able to acknowledge that, say, okay, I know you're done. We don't need to talk about this anymore. We are not done talking about it and I have to come back to it, but I'm just going to let like your whole nervous system come back down and let you take some deep breaths and relax. And we're going to come back to this when we can, but I can see that it's not now. So that might be a really effective communication strategy for you guys to be able to figure out, okay, I cannot push this anymore because pushing it is not going to get me what I want. So I might as well just be done for now. Pushing that pause button is okay. I don't know who invented the don't go to bed mad. I don't know who invented that. I didn't look it up, but I do not follow it. (laughs) So you better believe there have been times when I've gone to bed mad it's okay. Because you know what? I might not have actually been mad at Corey. I might have been just tired or just stressed out or just overly hungry for too long in the day and didn't get enough to eat today. And now I'm not feeling good. And mad is sort of the, the emotion that is brewing. And the best thing that's going to sort this out is not a big lengthy conversation with my air quotes, fight. I don't need to fight this out. I might just need a good night's sleep. It's amazing what a good night's sleep does. So I do not believe in the don't go to bed mad and maybe it works in your house and maybe you don't get a good night's sleep if you're feeling negative vibes from each other and you want to get to a happy, healthy place before you close your eyes at night. And if that works for you guys and you have great communication skills and you can do that in a timely fashion. I just need more sleep. I need to be in bed and asleep by nine o'clock. And if that means I go to bed mad sometimes, it always means that when I wake up in the morning, I have a better chance of reassessing the situation and deciding if it is something I actually need to communicate about and then instilling these strategies that I have laid out and having a decent conversation about them or good night's sleep kind of fixed it on its own. And we didn't really need to hash that out anyway. So you do you, you do not need to follow my don't go to bed mad. I go to bed mad strategy, but you do need to know that sometimes it's okay to just push a pause button and not talk it all through all of the time. Just because you're not does not mean you have poor communication. It might mean you have great communication. 
Well, that's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> that's what I tell myself anyway. And since I get to have those thoughts in my head, I get to tell myself I have a really good communication style because I've pushed the pause button and I'm not willing to have this conversation today. I'm going to have a good night's sleep instead. Okay. That was six. I talked about six different things that I feel are important strategies for healthy communication. If you are doing all six of these perfectly, then like high five. I I someday want to be there right alongside you. I am not doing all six of these perfectly. I don't know if there's any such thing as perfect. And maybe this is a time for me to really believe that perfect would be boring. But I am trying all the time in all of my relationships with all of the people to get better at doing these kinds of communications. That's all I have for you today. I would love for you to let me know which one of these was the most um, interesting or had the greatest impact on you and what you are planning on starting to implement in the relationships that are important to you. So feel free to send me a message anytime and let me know you listen to today's podcast and you can share it with somebody that you think either has great communication skills, share it with them and tell them, hey, you do all these things or share it and say, let's get better at these together. Have a fantastic day, everybody. Thanks for listening to Monday Matters with Holly Cochran. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Monday Matters, leave her a review, and share this episode on your social media. Should you have any questions about what you listen to or want more info, reach out and send her a message at K2 Health with Holly on Instagram and Facebook. She loves hearing from her listeners. See you next time.